Welcome to today's episode of the Purdue ASME podcast, which aims to provide an outlet for not only Purdue students, but all students, learners, and aspiring professionals around the world to learn from experienced professionals in the field of engineering and beyond. I'm your co-host, Liam Kaufman, and joining me today is my fellow co-host, Agathea Tharun. And today we are also joined by Purdue ASME DEI leaders, Jenna John and Emelina Abanu. And I'll have Aggie introduce our guest today. On today's episode, we are joined by Renee A. Thomas. Renee was recently appointed Associate Vice Provost for Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging. She previously served as the director of the Purdue University Black Cultural Center and has had three decades of experience in higher education administration with expertise in program development, student services, community engagement, and fundraising. She is committed to promoting a campus climate that ensures the inclusion of diverse students, faculty, and staff in all aspects of the university. During her tenure, Thomas has been known for her ability to nurture, support, and mentor students. She plays an active role in enhancing student success and retention. Renee, thanks for joining us today. We are very excited to have you on. Thank you. It's a joy to be here this afternoon. So we'll hop right in here. Um, we wanted to know a little bit about your personal background and how that might have influenced your work. Um, what inspired you to get into your line of work and how did you kind of get from one role to the next? Wow, you're asking me to go way back. Uh, about three decades ago when I was still in college, I actually worked in the residence life system and found out that, man, you can have a career in higher education. I wasn't aware of that previously and uh, it was something I was excited about doing. And uh, after I graduated from my undergraduate degree at the College of New Jersey, I went on um, into higher education and uh, completed a master's degree in higher ed administration and really enjoyed the multicultural diversity type work. Um, so that's been my career path. I've been doing it for the last 30 years in terms of multicultural programming and education and uh, really feel like I have had an opportunity to work with some of the best and brightest minds uh, here at Purdue University. Uh, you all represent the best and the brightest, not only in our nation, but in the world. And it's exciting to be able to have an influence on students. I was gonna say, like, what actually stood out to you about higher education, especially when you're younger, where you knew right away, like, that's what I wanna go into? It keeps me young. Uh, one of the things about higher education is that there's constant change and uh, not only constant change, but more importantly, you have the ability to influence students in terms of where they want to go professionally uh, with their education and the, the relationships that you develop uh, with students. I was excited about being able to offer programming on my residence hall floor and thought, man, how might I be able to do that in a larger uh, spectrum? And higher education became that for me. It's ability to transform lives. And I think that that has been the, the hook that really got me. No, that makes sense. I mean, having an impact is like really big with whatever you're doing. So like I can see why that would appeal to you. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say like this job sounds very dynamic and you get to have a variety of experiences with so many different people. Um, just sounds super interesting that, you know, you have something different to work on every single day. Yes. No day is the same. Someone asked me one time, what does your typical day look like? And I said, you know, I really don't have a typical day. It may range from, particularly when I was at the Black Cultural Center, we had a host of prominent guest speakers and performers come to the university campus and to be able to interact with some world-renowned individuals uh, in my role to a student coming to me crying because they didn't do well on their exam and, and being able to mentor and support that student through that difficult time. 
or being a cheerleader um, is part of the experience as well, that whenever students do great, we want to celebrate their successes. Um, program planning is part of it, fundraising, facilities management. I mean, it, it's just a whole repertoire of skills and uh, abilities that I, I, my day is never the same. Yeah. I was going to ask a little bit more about the Black Cultural Center. What do you feel was maybe the most impactful role or type of initiative that was developed through the Black Cultural Center for students and in terms of diversity, equi equity, and inclusion specifically? You know, that's a difficult question because my mind is flooded with so many different thoughts. Sure. Uh, one of the things that I can say that I'm very proud of is that we have a world-renowned, nationally recognized Black Cultural Center here at Purdue University. Uh, we have a 50-plus year history um, at Purdue University, and we have a wonderful facility, uh, one of the best in the nation. Um, so I'm really proud about that. I'm also proud about uh, what we developed at the Black Cultural Center, um, and which we call a curriculum-based research tour, in which we take students, usually a group of 30 to 50 students, to various geographical locations and not just the state, but in the nation. So an example would be that we went recently uh, down to New Orleans, um, and which we studied the Mardi Gras mm -hmm. tradition. And many of our students didn't even realize what the Mardi Gras tradition and carnival was in terms of the celebration of both the African-American community and the community of Native uh, folks down in New Orleans. So um, another example is we went to um, Oklahoma and studied black cowboys. We've been to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma as well to study the history of the Tulsa race riot. So each time what we do is we go to a particular geographic location, get immersed in that particular culture in that uh, area and then bring it back to the campus community and do a major staged production. Um, at the Black Cultural Center, we have five different performing arts ensembles and dance, drama, creative writing, choral music, as well as photography. And we tell that story through the arts. And that's been really impactful. Yeah, so talking about like the BCC and all of its impacts that you've had, how has the transition from being the director of BCC to the associate vice provost for diversity and inclusion gone for you? And like how did those two roles kind of like help each other out? Yeah, thank you for asking that. You know, transitioning from the Black Cultural Center to the Division of Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging has been, for me personally, a natural career uh, leap. Uh, we do giant leaps here at Purdue, and that was one of mine in terms of transitioning from the Black Cultural Center into uh, diversity, inclusion, and belonging. It was a natural one, though. Uh, at the Black Cultural Center, I was singularly focused on the African-American student experience, where now, uh, in my new role, it's much more comprehensive and that not only do I have administrative leadership for the Black Cultural Center, but there are four other cultural centers that I provide leadership for. So making sure that all of our diverse voices and student experiences are a place where uh, they belong, a place where they can maximize their full potential here as students. The other thing, uh, being in the diversity and inclusion office, is that it is not just uh, segregated to our students of color. We believe that we have, part of our mission is to educate the entire campus community about the contributions of all people and to make sure that all voices are being heard. 
Absolutely. I was going to jump in and ask, you know, you were talking about these geographical travels and learning about your culture and maybe your people's culture. How do you think celebrating one's identity and personal background contributes to, you know, an overall education on what different cultures bring to the community, especially in a place where we might not have the most diversity in, in the world? Yeah. It's important that people have a sense of who they are. Um, and we try to instill that with the students who engage at the Black Cultural Center. It's very affirming whenever you hear your own personal stories or see yourself represented uh, in the campus community. It's not only affirming, but it also gives you a sense of grounding as well. Um, and I think that for many students, because we all come through a similar educational background, and sometimes those stories are absent. And we think it's critical that we include those stories and those voices. Um, an example will be here at Purdue University. Sometimes we all know that Neil Armstrong um, graduated from Purdue University. But do we know who some of those uh, landmark African-Americans are? So for instance, if you think about it, in 1890, uh, Purdue was founded in 1869. 1890, Purdue produced its first African-American graduate one generation removed from slavery, and that young man came to Purdue. It must have been an isolating environment for him. He was probably the only black person in all his classes, and I'm sure that many of you can relate uh, to that feeling of loneliness. Um, we also have produced uh, uh, an individual who's on the Harvard faculty. Uh, all the buildings at Harvard University are named um, after individuals that have contributed significantly. And this individual is a double major. Uh, John Cash is his name, here at Purdue University, an engineer, uh, excuse me, a, a management graduate. So we have a marvelous story to tell here at Purdue University. And oftentimes, part of us, our responsibility is to take Purdue as an onion and sort of peel back and let people know those stories. And I was going to ask, like, I know you, you've been in the industry so long. Um, and over those 30 years, like there's been so many different movements in the DEI um, movements. Like, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen, or you've seen over your career? Maybe you faced personally, or just with DEI overall. Um, and how has it helped you get to the point where you are now? Yeah. I think one of the biggest challenges in DEI work is that many people view it as let me check the box off and move on to the next thing. Diversity and inclusion is not a check mark on a, block, on a box. It's a day-to-day -day type of thing. And I think that whenever uh, people see it as a check mark, they feel like they've done it and they're, they're moving on. Uh, but we can look at US history and know that the Civil Rights Movement was a very critical time in the 1960s. More recently, um, the, the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so many others, it, it gives that uh, information that we still have work to do as it relates to diversity and inclusion. Um, we look at our classrooms and they are not nearly as diverse as what we would like for them to be, particularly as it relates to people of color, um, both in terms of students and faculty representation. So we still have work to do. We have, have, have had some tremendous successes as well, and I think it's important that we celebrate those successes. But I, I want to make sure that we don't just celebrate them and think that it's over. Um, another example can be in the 1940s, um, the residence halls here at Purdue University were segregated. 
African Americans could not live in the residence halls. And just recently, we renamed the Parker Halls on campus, which are part of the Honor College in, in honor of Frida and Winifred Hall uh, Parker, who were responsible for integrating the residence halls. We just did that honor you know, several weeks ago in terms of doing the installation to tell that powerful story of their journey. Um, so it's never ending work, um, it's exciting work, and it's important work. I actually mention that all the time in my tours when we pass by uh, the Parker Halls. And then right after we come to the Black Cultural Center and um, I was kind of wondering, you know, with their five cultural centers, the Black, the Latinx, Asian American, LGBTQ+, um, and, and Native American cultural centers, how have these really contributed to um, Purdue being ranked one of the strongest, uh, or we have one of the strongest initiatives for diversity and inclusion and uh, really promoting that diversity factor on campus? What would you say um, you notice specifically about Purdue has contributed to how well we're doing this? I think there's a couple things uh, that uh, has contributed to produce uh, personal success in terms of uh, the recognition. And I'll highlight the LGBTQ Center as one of those. Uh, the LGBTQ Center has been recognized on a national level in terms of the campus community acceptance of uh, LGBTQ, LGBTQ community. However, if you were to engage some of our trans students and others, there's still challenges out there. But the fact that we are, are making progress is a great thing. Um, and the same can be said with our other cultural centers. We have a, a wonderful indigenous uh, foundation in which we recruit indigenous students to Purdue University, and that's administered through our Native American Education and Cultural Center, uh, providing opportunities for students to receive their graduate education here at Purdue. So there are definitely highlights that we can celebrate, um, but we still, uh, when you look at our numbers, you know, here we are an institution of 50,000 students strong. Out of those 50,000 students, less than 1,000 are African-American at the undergraduate level, 960 some odd black students on campus. So I think we still have some work to do so that we're reflective not only of the state of Indiana's population as being uh, part of our land grant mission as an institution, but we're a world-class institution. If you look at the demographics of our world, it's very different than what the demographics of Purdue is. Absolutely, and I think a big part of that is the distinction between including people and then having people feel like they belong. And going off of that, we wanted, we were curious when we received, you know, your biography, we saw the distinction instead of DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion, we've got DIB, which is diversity, inclusion, and belonging. What is the distinction there and why is it important to make that distinction? Yeah, it's an important distinction for us because whenever you talk with students, and ask them, you know, what's unique about Purdue or why do you stay? And they, and they all talk about the community that exists. And belonging is part of that community experience. And how do we create an environment in which students feel that they belong, students feel that they can maximize their potential here at the institution, and students feel that they, uh, their uh, thoughts, opinions, and personality as well as what they bring in terms of diversity to the table is valued. And we really want to ensure that through, whether it's programmatic efforts to create that sense of belonging, or whether or not it's classroom curriculum, making sure that people see themselves in the curriculum that's represented. And it may even be training and workshops in terms of microaggressions. What are microaggressions? Or what is implicit bias? In such a way that students have that total sense of belonging and that they feel good about their experience whenever they graduate so that they will be 
contributing um, graduates to the university as opposed to saying, I got out of there and I'm not looking back. We want them to continue to be engaged because they felt like they belonged. Absolutely, and I think a big part of that too is what we see a lot with DI initiatives is people who are minorities or who feel like they're othered tend to you know, gravitate to their own communities and we have these initiatives that are geared towards these people. But as you mentioned before, it's very important to also bring in people who are, um, for example, white males or people who don't feel like they relate to these specific initiatives. Um, how would you say is a good way to engage those folks and make them be part of the initiative to p include everyone um, and make people feel like they belong in the community because I think it's very easy to take a step back and say, well, you know, this isn't my fight, this isn't my, mm -hmm. you know, issue. How do we get everyone to be involved? Yeah, and I think that here at Purdue, we, we prepare global citizens. And when you think about the competitiveness of the job market, it's important for all people to understand diversity and inclusion. You will be much more marketable. Also, diverse uh, communities or diverse populations come up with better results. And I'll give you two specific examples. I was talking to someone uh, who works for a company that produces flaming Hot Doritos. <laughs> and uh, he was saying, you know, if indeed our community was just white individuals from the Midwest, we would have never come up with flaming Hot Doritos. Never come up with flaming Hot Doritos because Midwest is pretty mild. Um, but whenever they did come up with flaming Hot Doritos because of a Latinx person was part of the team, an African-American was part of the team, they found that, oh my gosh, this is a market that we never considered before. Um, another example was an automobile uh, manufacturer. I was talking to one of the individuals, and they were talking about their team, and they were developing seat belts. And one of the models in which they developed the seat belt was similar to the race car model, where you take both straps and put it on over your left and right uh, shoulder and buckle it at the chest and buckle it in between your legs. Great idea, high safety, but there were no women at that table. And as a result, it wasn't a good idea when the woman says, well, how am I gonna buckle that seatbelt up if I happen to have on a dress that day? I have to hike it up over my hips and that's not something that I wanna do. So again, it's an example of how we can become stronger and better um, as a result of having everybody at the table as opposed to just a certain population. You described that like perfectly. Like I even like experienced that personally. I was like, All right, how does DEI like, like appeal to me? Because I always just thought about it in terms of like skin color, um, like where you're born. But then I was reading this book, Range, that I had to read before I came to Purdue. And what it basically discussed is what you just said, is that actually having teams with diverse backgrounds, like, you, like encompassing all people's unique personal upbringings, allowed teams to have like broader thoughts and ultimately get better results. Like you were saying with the Doritos, they would have never had that idea. So once I started to think of it in terms of that, I was like, oh, just having more diverse teams, getting more, a variety of, of different perspectives allows for more creativity and ultimately for just more success going forward in the future, um, which I think is like greatly like under notice, like people don't even think about that. Um, but once you start to see it and, it, and even if you look at some of the most like successful teams um, ever, like they all were just extremely diverse um, and people could share their unique perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's like, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I really Thank think you. that's something that's good to push. And I think the other thing that's important too is that sometimes, not always, but sometimes when there's a diverse team, people try to fit in and be part of the old boy network as opposed to bringing their authentic self to the table. And it's important for 
everyone to feel comfortable bringing their authentic self to the table because they have assets that others do not have. Um, and I think that sometimes that can be challenging, particularly for a person of color and or women to think that, oh, I wanna fit in and I, I wanna go along with whatever is happening. And it's, I would encourage students to pause and say, no, there is a uniqueness that you bring to the table. Even as a white male, there is uniqueness that you bring to the table. And feeling comfortable being your authentic self and also feel uncomfortable to know that there are other ways to look and solve problems. Um, it doesn't always have to be this one singular fashion that there can be other ways. And encourage those who may not um, have an active voice to bring that out. We were talking earlier about um, the whole notion of, of being a female in the engineering field and, and, and uh, one of you share with me the fact that sometimes you get assigned the clerical type of responsibilities as opposed to the coding, and it's important to really uh, see the total contributions that can be made. Yeah, in addition, I think that um, along with what you're saying, it also really plays into the fact that having a diverse team also allows for more considerations to be taken into account. Like you might not think about other things that someone else would have thought about because of their upbringing or you know their background. Um, like you were saying with that example of uh, a woman sitting into like that race car seat and they wouldn't be able to put it on with the dress. Like some things, some people just don't consider because it doesn't really apply to them. Um, there is an example about someone who was designing a wheelchair and they didn't take into account like the market or in the demographic and how you know their climates and uh, terrain would be different so that wheelchair would have to be more you know rugged and, and then so having someone on that team that was like from that country um, really helped expedite that process of product release so it really um, even from you know a work point perspective having more diverse perspectives can help uh, help you account for a variety of other things that you may not always think about yeah. And as engineers, I think it's important, too, to listen to the communities in which you're serving. So many times, particularly as Americans, we have this Eurocentric perspective of I have the answer for everything and not always listening to the communities that you're serving. Um, I think that the EPICS program here at Purdue is a, a phenomenal model about how might we be able to take our skills and talents into a community and assist them but not just assist them, but also listen to what that community's needs are, what that community's concerns are, incorporate them in the decision-making process is so important. Yeah, so um, you were talking about how sometimes people won't bring their like authentic self to the table, and I was just wondering like, if you've had a personal experience where you felt like you didn't fit in on a team and how you overcame that, or like what strategies you used to feel that you would bring your authentic self. Yeah, you know, there's, um, I just drove my blank. Oh gosh, I'm trying real hard to think of the word that I'm looking for. <laughs> Ask me the question again and it'll come to me. <laughs> I was just asking like, if you've gone like on a team before and you've had an, like, an experience where you felt like you didn't fit in. Yes, I, I think that we all, I shouldn't say we all, many of us, <laughs> have what I call imposter syndrome, yes. in which we feel that, oh my gosh, there's this little person on our shoulder talking into our ear saying, you really don't fit in, you really don't belong, and we need to knock that imposter syndrome off our shoulders. So um, a couple things, whenever you're uh, experiencing a situation in which you want to be your authentic self, but you perhaps may have reservations about it. 
One is that I would say that you all are phenomenal students. You have uh, gone through the Purdue University curriculum and uh, are well on your way to graduation. So you have the skills, talents, and abilities to be successful. So don't allow imposter syndrome to kick in is one, one piece of advice I would have. The other piece of advice I would have is that you ha I believe that everybody has a responsibility to lay the groundwork so that the next generation won't experience some of the same trauma slash experiences that we have had. And if you're at those tables and you're not um, communicating or you're not bringing your authentic self to the table, it's just gonna be more challenging for whoever's coming up behind you. So uh, see yourself as trailblazers uh, and that it's important that you, and, and, and it's scary, uh, I'll be right on, honest, it, it's sometimes scary. The other thing that I find is that particularly being a person of color or being a, a woman, Sometimes, not always, but sometimes you're at decision-making tables, everybody knows that it's not a good decision, or everybody knows that there may be greater impact on a community, but nobody is saying it. And sometimes you have to assume that role. And that can be, for me personally, sometimes it's frustrating. It's like everybody sitting here knows that this is not a good decision <laughs> and knows that this is not right, yeah. but yet no one is claiming it and no one is saying it. And I'm Absolutely. like... Do I say something because I don't want to be in that black woman stereotype Absolutely. that every time there's something wrong that comes up, I'm bringing it to everyone's attention because, uh, but if I don't, the decision will be made and we'll move on and not recognizing the impact. So you I have to do it. I was actually going to jump in about that because I feel like a lot of the times when there are those situations or instances where you're the one constantly bringing it to the attention of everyone else. when absolutely, as you described, everyone is at least a little bit aware that there's an issue here. Um, I think this is very synonymous with like a lot of DI initiatives in clubs or in schools or organizations. It, the burden of explaining or dissipating ignorance is on the person of color or on the minority, and I feel like that's really unfair. A lot of the times we're putting the work load and the emotional you know responsibility of doing the work of explaining you know why something is wrong on the person who is experiencing that trauma or the discrimination so how would you encourage clubs or organizations to have thoughtful and intricate ways of um, implementing DEI or belonging with everyone without making it the responsibility of for example the only black person in the room to explain why it's wrong to do a certain thing right and I think it's important too for that only one to also feel comfortable saying it is not my responsibility to educate Absolutely. you. That is not my responsibility. Mm -hmm. I came from the same system that you have. You have a responsibility to, to be learn. that world-class citizen that we all claim that we produce. Here's a book you might want to read. You mentioned... Uh, you Rage. Read, yes, you read Rage in high school. So those are examples of which you can say, you know what, I, I really don't have time to educate you right. on this, but perhaps you might want to read this. Or, you know what, there's a, a workshop that's happening on implicit bias. Maybe we as a group should attend this mm -hmm. particular workshop. Or, you know what, one of the cultural centers is having a phenomenal guest speaker come in to talk about this. We don't have to always do the work ourselves. Right. There are resources here at Purdue University in which we can plug into. And I think that it's been my experience when people plug into those resources, they have what I call those aha moments. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize it, or my eyes were are now open and I can see what some of the challenges are. I can you know, better navigate through some of those things. So I would say look to 
resources that are available mm -hmm. on campus. See the five cultural centers. I, I mean, there's a safe zone training, there's the dream zone training, there's all different types of opportunities for students to take advantage of. And sometimes there is this reservation by students to say, you know, that's not for me. Mm -hmm make it a priority to say that, you know, for our chapter meeting, rather than having a regular chapter meeting, we're gonna go over to Low Playhouse and hear Nikki Giovanni on February 28th as a chapter. Sure. So those are some of the types of things that you might be able to do. And just in terms of finding out the resources or, or knowing when and where these things are happening, how would you give advice to, for example, an organization like our own? Um, would it be just to look at the websites of the cultural centers, or how can students familiarize themselves with like opportunities on campus that have to do with DEI? Yeah, I know all the all the cultural centers have websites, mm -hmm. as well as uh, Boiler Link is another resource that's available through the Dean of Students Office in terms of upcoming programs and activities mm -hmm. to, to be able to seek out, and then also also, uh, I would encourage you to, to work in collaboration with another organization that may not be, um, that may be an engineering focus, but may not look like yours in terms right. of the membership. An right. example will be the National Society of Black Engineers exists here at Purdue University. They were founded here at Purdue University, Absolutely. part of our history um, here in terms of the African American experience. So there are opportunities for collaborations, and I do want to go back to your question as well about um, the authentic self, mm -hmm. because Sometimes it's important to develop allies as well so that you are not the one always um, being the advocate and that there's opportunity to talk with someone on your team. Say, you know, next time this comes up, can you be the person that brings it to the attention of the group as right. opposed to myself? And allyship is important. And I think what you were saying with before in terms of, um, uh, lost my train of thought here. <laughs> I was gonna, uh, I, blanking, come back to I can to jump me. in really yeah, quickly. Yeah, hop in. Well, I was gonna say, so speaking of, you know, engineering organizations, ASME, um, we are, you know, really focused on this type of getting people ready for the workforce, getting people internships, getting people networking and stuff like that. So we're not necessarily a, you know, DEI-centered organization, but we've started this DEI initiative because we wanted to make sure, again, because part such a big part of the workforce and becoming an engineer is actually part of DEI. You want to make sure you're implementing that, like we've talked about, in projects that you're doing, you're listening to the communities that you're going to, you're actually implementing, you know, networking with other different types of people for your career. So how would you advise us specifically on the ASME DEI board to kind of encourage DEI in a way that is relevant and not necessarily just pushing um, you know, certain initiatives or certain, you know, other non-relevant information? How would you make it so that it's attractive to people in our organization? Yeah, a couple things that are coming to mind, and I, and I, I, I know that some of this would be repetitive, but one is to take advantage of the cultural centers on campus. They have um, really powerful programs and activities. Uh, that would be one thing. The second thing is as you look at your membership, uh, we tend to uh, interact with people who look like us. We tend to invite those who uh, are part of our friendship circle. And I would challenge each of you as you look at your, and I'm going to say, I'm going to expand it. I'll say 15. If you identify your 15 friends at Purdue, I would ask you how diverse are those 15 friends? Most people, their friendship group looks just like them. And I would say, you know, expand that circle a little bit more. Uh, companies and industries are very much interested in hiring people who 
uh, are comfortable working on diverse teams. And Purdue University is the environment in which you can lay that foundation and be able to have that interaction. And um, a lot of companies are asking that in the interview situation. Share with me a diversity experience that you've had or uh, how diverse are the teams that you work with. So begin having those experiences here at Purdue. I think also it's important to kind of um, encourage these other students to have that open mind to be available to, you know, learn about other people's perspectives, you know, with taking them to speakers and other events, um, they have to be willing to listen to kind of, you know, open up their mind to learn about this tribal knowledge that other people can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. When it comes to like, just like simple, I don't know, habits, you could say, that like students, especially engineering students, because I know all of us are just like extremely busy and like maybe we don't have the time to, for instance, do the one program you're talking about where they travel to different locations and learn about different cultures, but how can we take the time to almost take a break from our focus, like engineering studies, to learn about different cultures, to learn about DEI initiatives, to really implement it in our day-to-day lives? Yeah, and sometimes it's just a matter of engaging each other. I mean, it sounds simple, but and it is simple. And uh, that I was had a conversation with a, a, a student, and she says, you know, my team is one of the diverse teams at Purdue. We have an Asian person, we have a Latinx person. She went on naming all the people that were represented in the group. She said, but you know what? We never talk about culture. We never talk about race. We only talk about what we are scheduled to talk about in our group. Yeah. And I would say expand that a little bit more. Ask someone about you know, tell me a little bit about your background um, and have those difficult dialogues, those con- critical conversations with each other about race, ethnicity, and place of origin. Uh, because we do surround ourselves sometimes in a very diverse environment, but we don't talk about the diversity that we represent. And I would say, you know, it's not necessarily carve out an hour each week to do whatever. It's to say, you know, get to know that person on a different level than just the project that you're working on. Yeah, totally. So kind of as like a last question, what are some of like the key DEI initiatives at Purdue that are coming in the future or that are available now? Yeah, we're working now on um, the, excuse me, the equity task force uh, was a 150 member uh, task force uh, after the murder of George Floyd and some of the uh, uh, racial unrest that, our nation was seeing Purdue University rededicated itself, um, and we have a very strong focus on the Black Boilermaker experience uh, for year one and year two. We are now expanding that beyond the Black Boilermaker experience to say how and what might we be able to do to make sure that we are creating an environment at Purdue in which all students have that sense of belonging. we are um, had some initiatives as it related to recruitment of uh, people of color to the university, both faculty, staff, and students. Um, so those are some of the initiatives that we're working on now is the implementation of the equity task force. And um, it's a Herculean project, but it is one that, you know, Purdue University sends m- men to the moon and hopefully women in yes, space yes, and all totally. those other things that are happening here at Purdue. So we can indeed uh, wrap our arms around the equity task force and meet some of those goals as well. Yeah, that's awesome. On this topic of, um, you know, getting people involved with DEI and kind of improving that inclusivity aspect in their own lives, I think the study abroad program that we have here at Purdue is one of the 
like one of the best programs in the nation. Um, it's also very affordable because we don't increase the differential, the rates for the, the tuition as well. So I think it's something that everyone should take advantage of. Um, how specifically do you think students can leverage their experience with study abroad um, to help them connect with employers and kind of showcase how that experience has helped them become a better candidate for a position they're applying to? Yeah, a couple ways. One is, uh, you're absolutely right, the study abroad program here at Purdue is, is marvelous, both in terms of affordability and the experience. I, I would challenge everyone who does participate in the study abroad because uh, we did several study abroad programs through the Black Cultural Center and was focused on the Afro-Latin experience in Brazil, we're focusing on um, going back to Ghana um, to talk about the African retentions there. But some study abroad programs are just, I shouldn't say are just, that's not a good thing. <laughs> some study abroad programs do not take advantage of the diversity that exists in the country that they're visiting. It's sort of a Purdue professor is teaching a Purdue course, yes. happens to be in Spain. <laughs> mm, that's great, but you really, to answer your question, you're really not gonna be able to leverage that much right. if that has been your experience. I would say it's important that you immerse yourself in the culture that exists wherever it is that you're going on the study abroad experience and really see yourself as a citizen of that particular uh, country that you're experiencing and, and get out beyond just the in the classroom experience. Uh, it's also, um, as I said earlier, this whole notion of, of global citizenship. Uh, for students who study abroad, uh, I think that their uh, cultural impact uh, is expanded as a result of that experience. Uh, hopefully they are able to articulate to prospective employers what impact that has had on them in terms of their own leadership growth and development. Yeah, I think, I think that's what makes it really kind of special to do study abroad. If you're going there to just take another like classroom type environment in another country, it's not really going to do much for you. But if you find a program that really immerses the students into the actual culture and do a lot of like tours and go to speakers and different events, then you're now you're really understanding how um, life in another country could be and how you can mm -hmm. integrate that to your own Absolutely. perspectives. I think just as a kind of summary of what we've been talking about, Renee, I think you've inspired us a little bit to really learn that DEI isn't necessarily just initiatives and learning, it's also branching out and doing, making it what you make of it and branching out in your social life, in your academic life, in your networking, taking experiences and really paying attention to other people around you. And I think that that's what Purdue is trying to teach us, but as well as like what we should do in our own lives individually. So 100%. thank you. Yes. And being able to integrate that, like you're saying, is actually very simple and students should start to kind of uh, start developing them, that initiative into their own lives, of kind of, uh, improving their, their mindset to diversity and inclusion. Um, but with that, I mean, that was a very awesome conversation. Yes, it was so, so fascinating to hear from what you had to say, and we really thank you for that. Um, it was great having you on our episode today. We loved hearing about your background and all the initiatives that we can uh, expect to come in the future. So thank you so much, Renee, for speaking for with us. Time. Appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. So for our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you really enjoyed our talk with Renee. Feel free to check out the timestamps for the various topics we covered today. If you have any feedback, guest requests, comments, or any other inquiries, please contact, contact us at asme.podcast.gmail.com, or you can fill out the Google form linked below. As always, we want to connect with our listeners on LinkedIn, so feel free to check out those in the description below. We hope you'll join us on the next episode. 
Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. That was awesome. That was a fantastic conversation. Yeah.